0: God bless you. Thanks for being here this morning. If you want to take your Bibles, I'm going to, we'll be in Romans in just a moment, but I want to go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 for a moment and just read a couple of verses that I hope will be an encouragement. In our day and age, we're we're facing significant trials and and troubles, uh, the, the COVID issues, of course, the financial issues that are striking us. If you go to the gas pumps, you're going to keep watching the gas prices rise. You're going to watch the economy uh, go potentially in a much more uh, negative direction right now. And things are happening uh, that are concerning. And I want to remind us, because I've had multiple people contact me this week, and it's like, Pastor Rich, what do you think about X and X is always not a good thing uh, when it comes to what's happening in our country right now. And I want to remind us, folks, God never promised us candy land here on earth, He just didn't. And we're here where you don't belong to this world. Uh, once you trusted Christ, if you're here, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is our temporary home, it's not our permanent home. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says. For our citizenship is in where? It's in heaven. Uh, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform my lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Folks, if we, if we get it, and, and I got a long message this morning, but you'll get on on time, don't worry. But uh, uh, it's like if I could get anything through to you this morning, it's like our citizenship is not down here. When you see all the negative things happening, when you question things that are happening, when you look at uh, certain things that are negatively impacting, you don't be surprised. I'm not surprised at all by it. Folks, Sunday night, starting at 6 p.m., we're going to be in the book of Revelation. And as we go through the book of Revelation, verse by verse... And tonight, it, its I was going to try and get through the end of the first chapter, and we'll get through three verses tonight, because there's just so much there. We'll be looking at past, present, and prophetic issues from the book of Revelation, and many of those things are touching on what's taking place today. God is setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. There's no if ands, or buts about it. That's why we're, we're studying the book of Revelation on Sunday night, so I encourage you. Uh, If you can't be here in person, get on the internet, watch the messages. It will outline exactly what God says is going to happen. It's not speculation. It's not uh, allegorizing or spiritualizing text. Folks, God has made it very clear what's going to happen. I am not surprised at all by what's taking place because Revelation 13, and I'll just leave it with this. Revelation chapter 13 makes it extremely clear. There will be one day a one-world government... A one-world political system and a one-world economic system. That's prophesied. It's not speculation again or uh, making things up. This is going to happen. And we're watching God allowing the stage to be set for those biblical prophecies to be fulfilled. So if you want to know it in detail and see what God's really doing and is going to be doing, uh, verse by verse through the book of Revelation, 6 o'clock tonight. All right, let's go to the book we are studying for Sunday morning, the book of Romans. Absolutely phenomenal book, a doctrinal book, tremendous amount of material in there that is meant to help us as God's people. So, again, we're looking at the book of Romans. We're into actually part four of just chapter one this morning. We'll be uh, looking at verses 28 through the end of the chapter, verse 32. And we're watching the progression of what happens when man rejects God. And folks, men have been rejecting God since, uh, since creation. And it, when you watch what's happening, when you see the horrific things that are happening specifically in society, and it's always been there, but we're watching a tremendously negative downturn lately in morals, ethics, and so forth, God just lays it out in Romans exactly why that pattern Exists and exactly what is happening. So, we're going to continue with that this morning. So, again, uh, the last uh, three times I'm asking the same questions as we start because it's been a continuation. We'll switch uh, next week into a different topic in uh, Romans chapter 2. But God is looking at the progression of things that happen when people reject God. So, Here's the question, how do you respond to the Bible when it goes 100% against some of society's normal accepted practices? We're looking at things, and especially last week if you were here, and boy that that was a tough message folks. We stomped on, if you will, things that were very, very, very politically incorrect last week. One thing you'll see, and I know we have multiple visitors here, and by the way, God bless you, thanks to the visitors that are here today, Uh, we appreciate you being here, but one thing you'll find in this pulpit, in this church, is when the Word of God says something that opposes the current system, or the current government, or the current morals, or the current ethics, we're still going to say it. We're not going to hold back, we're not going to compromise, we're not going to uh, try and hide what the Word of God says. We have to be upfront. We have to say exactly what the Word states. And that's hard. Many churches refuse to do that because they don't want to get in a political trick bag. Well, uh, those of you that know me, I've been in a political tri- trick bag most of my life, so it's like, what's, an- what's another day, right? Uh, for those, they're like, what are you talking about? I was a sheriff. I worked in uh, Milwaukee County for... 32 years, so I know what politics is, been there, done that, and got the t-shirt, if you will. All right, uh, so how should we then respond to those in, who embrace anti-biblical practices? So we'll look at things that are, are disturbing, that are challenging, and yet God, by the way, caveat. How has God called us to treat people, the unsaved? those that hate us, those that hate God, those that hate what we stand for, those who hate, here's what we stand for right here, folks. That's it, nothing else, nothing more. It's the the word of God. And God says, and, and some people get the idea that we should hate the sinner. We never hate the sinner, we hate the sin. If God hated the sinner, we'd all be lost in our sin, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates His love towards us in that while we were yet what? Sinners. Christ died for us. Yeah, we were messed up. We were away from God. We were sinners. And God said, I don't care. I still love you, and I'm going to try and draw you to myself. God loves the sinner. So, we will continue examining three catastrophic failures for those who reject God. We've looked at uncleanness. We've looked at vile affections, and now today we will look at the debased mind. So just a little bit of review for those that are new here, or if you missed a message or two in the last couple of weeks. So what we're looking at in Romans again, we're looking at, if you will, the retribution of the gospel. What happens when people suppress God's truth? What happens when rejection takes place against God himself? And the the, the scriptures, and, and they're so detailed here, And and we're calling this, the last three messages, nobody's without excuse. You cannot make an excuse, if you will. Well, I didn't know X. God makes it very clear in what's known as general revelation, which is basically nature and the conscience, just by looking outside, seeing the things that God has created, man knows there's a God. There's no such thing as an atheist. There's people that say they're atheists, but there's no such thing. Because God has implanted, if you will, knowledge about himself. It's innate. It's in our conscience. Now, can the conscience be seared? Oh, yes, God talks about that. And that's part of what we're looking at through this progression of evil that sets into evil people. So God has revealed himself through different things. The next major piece is... We look at the progression. God's wrath then is beginning to be poured out on people. It has been being poured out for thousands of years. Why? Because when man or woman rejects God, they get to a certain point, and as we've watched over the last couple of weeks, God gives them up to certain things. He keeps letting them progress down the slope of sin, if you will, if they continually reject God. all right. Romans chapter 1 verse 24 was our first part a couple of weeks ago. Because of their rejection of God, because of their uh, um, taking out of idolatry, because they rejected the Creator and started worshiping the creature or idolatry, God says He gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Why? Because they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Folks, we don't have the type of idolatry they had during when, uh, the first century when Romans was, was written, but we have different idols, right? We don't go and uh, find an idol and go and worship that idol, if you will, in a temple or, uh, or wherever, but we have idols. TV, recreation, illicit intimate relations, Poor choices of entertainment, and we make it idols. Now, I trust that's not the case in our, our, with our church because God makes it very clear. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, these are things that the saved person should not be doing and probably is not. So everybody gets a free pass if you've trusted Christ to a certain degree. These are things that God's looking at the rebellious individuals that have refused to come to the Lord, and he just keeps letting them go down this horrible negative slope. So the first thing, he gave them up to uncleanness. Second thing he said uh, that we looked at last week, because they keep going down, they rejected God, they, re- they worshipped idols, if you will, they embraced uh, uh Things that they shouldn't have been embracing from a moral standards. Then God says, "I'm so upset with people that He gave them up to what vile passions." Last week we looked at what happens when God gives people up, and again, this is the type of thing. I was listening to a message from uh, 2011 uh, t- this week, and a good friend of mine, Dr. Andy Woods, down in Sugarland, Texas, great theologian, great preacher. And he was basically saying, you know, and he said the exact same thing I said last week. He said, if, uh, if I preach this message, maybe in the next few years, I'm going to end up going to jail for it. I said that last week. When you're talking about what God is referring to in verse 26 and 27, God says, I gave them out the vile passions. What does vile passions mean? Well, he explains it. Women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful. What's he talking about? He's talking about, and I said, I, I, I used the word once last week, I'll use the word once again this week, and then I'll redefine it with a different phrase. When we're talking about sexual immorality, I'm using the term Inappropriate intimate relations. We do have children, young people that I want to be a little cautious with, but that's exactly what he's referring to. Men doing intimate relations with men. Women doing intimate relations with women. God is looking at that as a judgment. It's not natural. It's a vile passion. You say, well, that's against everything the politics and the government says. I know it is. Absolutely it is. But here's the other issue. And let's all be real clear on this. We started out, does God love sinners? Does God love the liar? Does God love the adulterer? Does God love the homosexual? He does. He said, for God so loved the world, every single person that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I don't agree to the lifestyle. I'll never condone it. I will fight it. But I'm going to love the person. All right? You see where we're going? All right, let's go down to our text for today. So we've gone from uh, uh, from the vile passions and they still are not coming to God. So God says, I'm taking it to the next level, if you will, uh, of downgrade. In, in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, <laughs> he's saying that we're going still in that same path. God says, finally, God gave them over to a, debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. And here's the final kick. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, did you catch that? Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those things who practice them. Father, I pray now as we open up the precious word of God, as we go into this very disturbing message this morning, that, Father, first of all, we'd remember, as we started out with Philippians 3.20, that this world is not our home. Our citizenship is not down here on this earth. We're here for a short time, and, Lord, we look forward to that glorious day when you'll come to take us home to be with you. But, Father, while we're down here, we have a job to do. You've asked us to go and to proclaim the word of God, to proclaim the gospel to every single person that's willing to listen. And Father, as tough as it is, as much as uh, the Christian message is being put down by many, yet there's many that I know whose hearts have been prepared to receive the precious word of God. So Father, I pray as we look at this that we would have a heart for people. That even though they've gone to the depths of sin, if you will, that we'd look at them, we'd love them as you love them, that we'd share the precious gospel message with them, and Father, that you'd help us to see them come to Christ. Now, Father, if there's anyone here this morning or watching via our internet that is not a Christian, they don't know for sure if they die to go to heaven, might they find Christ before they leave here today? And Father, I pray for the rest of us that have already made that decision and have trusted Jesus and know we're headed for heaven, would you give us a a burden for those that haven't and help us to walk out of here refreshed and excited about the work that you've given each of us to do as your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so what we're looking at today, we're looking, if you will, God gave them over to a debased mind. The first thing that we're looking at, again, is the rejection of God. What and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So what happens? They, they, they don't want to be associated with God. They don't want to keep him up front. They don't want the conviction. They don't want the principles. They don't want the, uh, the do's and the don'ts, if you will, of, of being one of God's people. And they reject him. Want nothing to do with him. So God says, those that have rejected me, he what? He gave them over. This is the third time now in this passage of Romans chapter 1 that God says, I gave them over once, I gave them over twice, and now he's giving them over a third time. So again, this is the same exact slide I've used for the first two because it's the exact same Greek word, paradidomi. God gave them over. He literally, he... he <laughs> He lets them go. Do you know how sad that is, folks? The dear mom who loves her children dearly. And I could tell you story after story after story after story of moms and dads whose children have gone in the wrong direction. And do they love their child? Oh, absolutely. Would they give their own life for them to bring them back from the depths of sin? Absolutely. But sometimes, and I've watched this happen many times, especially with those who have had young people that have gone into drugs, substance abuse, immorality. And there comes a point when Even mom and dad who love their child to death absolutely love them. They want the best for them. But it comes to a point where if you're going to do that behavior, if you're not going to make a change, if you're not going to do the right thing, you're not welcome in this house. Because I'm not going to keep supporting your behavior. And sometimes the young person that will be enough shock and awe, if you will, to where the uh, the repercussions of their sin hits home and it's like, oh boy, it's time to make a change. And thank God many do. But there's those that are so wrapped up in their sin, and I'm not talking about young people, I'm talking about those that are old enough to Literally, They could make it on their own if they chose to do so. It's like you're going to live that lifestyle. You live it somewhere else till you're ready to come home. You ever hear the prodigal son in the scriptures? You want to go sow your wild oats and they, they, they go and they, they do wrong and they continue in their sin and they continue in their addiction and they continue in their immorality and they continue uh, uh, doing things that are, of course, going to get them in conflict with the law, which means they're doing criminal activity. And you pray for them, and you pray for them, and you try and talk to them when you can, and you give them the gospel, and you try and help, and you try and lead them in the right direction, but they say, no! I'm going to do it my way! And you keep praying for them, and you pray for them, There's so many times, all of a sudden, they hit rock bottom like the prodigal son. Their life is destroyed. They have no money. They have no hope. They have no resources. They're at the depths of even losing their life because of the way that they've chosen to maneuver their own life. And all of a sudden, they've got nowhere to look except up. <laughs> and they look up and it's like man am I messed up God I'm so messed up my life's in shambles I'm half dead I, have no, I don't think anybody loves me anymore nobody cares for me anymore God do you, do you care about me you care and God says of course I do folks God changes lives did you ever uh, go on VCY listen to Unshackled I used to preach down at Pacific Garden Mission. That's where I learned how to preach down at the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. Love it down there. There's a big old boy down there now. Really, really, where are you? There you are. With Jack Patterson. He's, uh, he went to one of the colleges I went to. He makes me look like a shrimp. I'll tell you, the guy is huge. We were talking about the Nephilim the other day. I mean, this guy's a Nephilim. He's huge. <laughs> He's about seven foot tall, about 400 pounds. I mean, I'm telling you, he's huge. And uh, good old Jack gets down there and preaches the gospel, and the people are out of it, and they're drunk, and they're full of uh, of drugs, and, and the gospel's preached, and I've watched over and over and over again as those who have hit rock bottom, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit touches them, and their lives are changed. They come, and they receive Christ, and he gives them a totally new life. Folks, that's what it's all about. And God says, I gave them up to a a debased mind and they've gone in the wrong direction and they're not doing the right thing. Because God's trying to call them back to himself. The repercussions of continual rejection of God is God gives them over to what is known as the debased mind. Well, what does the Bible say about a debased mind? It's unapproved. It's unworthy. It's worthless. It's re Rejected, it's undiscerning, it's not distinguishing, if you will, between right and wrong, good and evil, void of judgment. It's a mind, if you will, that's abhorred by God, and in its strict form, when we go to the Greek word, it's talking about the rejection of impure metals. Now those of you that, um, and I don't know that there's a whole lot of foundries around here, but we do have a lot of folks that work uh, uh, with metals here. When you want some, a piece of metal that is free of, of impurities, you heat it up and, and you re- refine that metal so that once the process is done, you have a pure piece of metal that is useful. And God looks at the person who has been dropped down to this debased level and they're full of impurities. And God is looking and he's like, this piece of metal is soiled, it's, it's rotten, it's, it's not fit for use right now. And God needs to clean it up. Folks, if you understand the progression of sin, you see what God is doing is he's allowing those who keep rejecting him and keep rejecting him and keep rejecting him to get more and more and more impure. Do you wonder why the media is disgusting? Do you wonder why programs on the internet or programs on television or stuff in the movies are disgusting and and absolutely unfit for Christian consumption or anyone else for that matter? How do you get that debased? How do they get to this level where sin becomes the norm, where, where horrible acts of impurity, if you will, become the norm? It's because their minds are corrupted. And God has allowed these individuals to keep going down and down and down into the field of sin because they continually reject him, and it is a form of judgment. And God says these individuals are given over to this debased mind to do those things which are improper. So verse 28 again, he says, God gave them over to what? A debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Now, we're going to go through two sets of sins, and we're going to go through them for rather quickly because they're rather self-explanatory. We're going to go through a list of 11 items in this chapter, in the next couple of verses, and then a list of 12 things, 23 different things that God says when the, when the mind is being debased, when it's going in the wrong direction, this is what happens. And by the way, I don't like living in the negative world. So we're going to clean it up a little bit down the road here, and we're going to have a happy time after this, okay, today. So let's take a look at it. Here's what happens when somebody goes to a depraved, debased mind. Unrighteous. That's that's an overview of the things that are coming. So he gives a big overview thing. It's an unrighteousness. When when you are righteous, or if you will, have the righteousness of Christ, you are in a right standing with God. You inherit his righteousness righteousness. So we're looking at individuals that have rejected God. Folks, is it any wonder when we walk out the doors of Union Grove Baptist Church and you drive down the street or go to your favorite wherever, your favorite store, your favorite place, or you turn on the media or you turn on your entertainment that none of it is kind of like what we do here? Have you noticed that? We're kind of different. We're very different. Why? Because these are the things that as we watch our, uh, the people go further and further away from God, which is the norm, these are things that are obviously, God says, this is where they're going to go. So they're unrighteous. They're not following God. They're not in the scriptures. They hate the Bible. They hate God. They hate church. They hate Christianity. They're filled with immorality, inappropriate, intimate relations. Folks, it's everywhere, and it's always been there. But it's now pronounced more than it's been in decades. When the government now makes it a literal hate crime to say things against those that are living a debased lifestyle, we're in a problem. It's a problem. Because that means we're getting closer and closer and closer to an absolute corrupt world. The world's always been corrupt. By the way, who's the God of this world? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Satan is the what of this world? Come on, Satan is the what of this world? Small g, God. When Adam and Eve rebelled back in the garden and Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they fell in Genesis chapter 3, God's theocratic kingdom came to an end at that time. Ever since Genesis chapter 3, even though, yes, many of us still serve God, many of us still love God, the theocratic kingdom stopped. But it's coming again. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 10, the theocratic kingdom will be restored. That's why I need to be here and hear Revelation. We'll tell you how that's going to happen. But if you think God is running this world, we have, we have theologians. I'm caveat here for a minute better known as a rabbit trail. (laughs) How can anyone think that what we live in is setting the world up to be a better place? There are certain theologians known as amillennialists that believe that the church is going to bring in the millennium That we're going to transform and have a reformation that's going to so impact the world that it's going to set the stage for Christ coming back in a perfect arena. Now, folks, one page of that 500-page theology book should be more than enough to realize, no. It's spiritualizing and allegorizing the prophetic text. Folks, this place is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You say, Brother Rich, I don't want to hear that. You need to hear it. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shores, and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. John, if Dr. Huffman was here, we'd listen to him sing it. (laughs) Anyway, wickedness. Covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. I, I, I like to park here for just a second. As most of you know, I was in law enforcement for 33 years. You say, well, you've only been preaching a year or two? No, I've been preaching 40 years, but I was in law enforcement 30 years, 33 years. So I did what you call bivocational. The sheriff's office paid for all the Christian things I did. Thank you for, to the government on that behalf. <laughs> I'm sure they're not happy about that. Anyway, murder. Folks, do you understand what murder is? I don't know if any of you have ever known someone or had a friend that's been murdered. And in our society, we just kind of blow off the concept of murder. I worked in Milwaukee County for, as I said, 32 years. The average murder rate in Milwaukee is about 140-plus individuals a year, and it skyrocketed during the COVID times. 140 people just in Milwaukee County murdered, most of it by gun violence. Some beat to death, some stabbed to death, some suffocated. Can you imagine that? And we look at it as a statistic. And I like to go here for a minute. When we look at people that are in the depths of sin and horrible things are happening, and someone loses a loved one and they're murdered, I would go to vigils. And there would be the moms and the dads, the guardians, the friends. You'd watch at the crime scene seconds after someone's murdered. And the screaming and the yelling and the agony from those that loved the person that was just murdered. You watch the tears fall and you watch the screaming and the yelling, and then you go to the nightly news. And the news anchor will say something like, Yeah, no, wherever, down in the inner city of Milwaukee, uh, three people were shot today, they're dead. And now on to the weather. No heart. It's a statistic. Happened again, so what? And I say it's a big deal. How can you be a Christian and watch people die over and over and over again due to violence, due to hatred, due to a debased mind, and not have a heart for people? You say, Brother Rich, do you believe in missions? <laughs> I believe in missions. You say, Brother Rich, do you believe in mission, missionary work to the foreign field? Absolutely, I believe in it. Every single person needs to hear the gospel. How about, how about we go to a mission field that it doesn't cost 10000 bucks to go to? How about a mission field that we could get in our car with a van full of people and go there and come back and have supper in our own homes at night. I say, what are you saying? I'm saying, listen folks, I'm all for the foreign mission field. I am. God bless it. We need folks to go to the foreign field. We need folks to do short-term missions across the world. And I see Racine County. I see Kenosha County. I see Milwaukee County. And it's like, well, we can't go there. It's too dangerous. And I'm like, Okay, so where's Trevor? Where's my boy? There you are. And Abby. Trevor and Abby met on the mission field. That's my son and my daughter-in-law. They didn't really meet there, but that's where they really met. (laughs) So they're in Peru. My son came home with dysentery. He lived in what we would call the most extreme of ghettos for a time, you didn't go through Peru where they were without worrying about how many times you were going to be stopped and hit up by the cops for money. You worried every single night about whether your place you were staying was going to be broken into and if you'd be alive the next morning. And We say, well, we can't go to Racine, we can't go to Kenosha, we can't go to Milwaukee County. That's too dangerous. But we can spend 10000 bucks to go to Peru. You see what I'm saying, folks? I'm all for going to Peru. Make sure you take your dysentery medicine first. He still suffers from it. What am I saying? I'm saying, listen, folks, there's people all around our three, our tri-county area that are dying and going to hell. There's people that will be murdered today in those counties. Do we have a heart for people? They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, They're whisperers. And we're done with that. Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. What does it tell us? It tells us our world is going in the wrong direction. Nick, if you wouldn't mind going in the wrong direction. Let's go to the second list. Take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 1 verse 30, and we have a list of 12 more items that are there. And what does he say? They are backbiters. They are haters of God. They are violent. They are proud. They are boasters. They are inventors of evil things. They are disobedient to parents. I always like to park here for just a moment. (laughs) Good luck at your house today. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Do we have some of these things that sneak up like this on a daily basis in our own homes? And we say yes. Now, folks, let me make it real clear. The things we're talking about here are not because Johnny didn't make his bed in the morning. We're not talking about someone who you gave uh, basically an assignment to do and your child said, no, not today, I'm not feeling it, mom or dad. We're talking about absolute horrible rebellion. It's not the kind of thing that's easily... Correctable. This is when one of your uh, young people gets so debased, so away from uh, uh, doing the right thing, their mind is so saturated in sin that literally we're talking about an absolute positive rebellion against mom and dad. This is when it gets down to where the rubber hits the road and it's so sensitive and you have to be so careful about this. And I always recommend if you have a child that goes in this direction, mainly speaking of a older teenager or above, You may have to do some serious action with that as to what you decide to do, but always do it with careful counsel. They're undiscerning. They're untrustworthy. Unloving. I mean, we're talking about people that hate people. One of my little pet peeves that I've had for years and years and years. It's one of the reasons I think why I stayed in law enforcement as long as I did, so I had a squad all the time. How much do you like when uh, somebody comes up, and it happened to me again yesterday. It's dark out, and the lights from behind, they're coming up on you Mach 1 speed, and they get so close to you, you can't even see their headlights. How does that make you feel? Mm. I'll tell you how it makes me feel. And the unfortunate thing is 99% of the time when I'm driving, guess where I'm coming to? Right here, and it's like, Rich, you know what you want to do, and you're not feeling this very, you're not feeling this in the right way. And I said, you know, that could be somebody heading to Union Grove Baptist Church right now, and they're gonna do what they're gonna do. As much as I want to stop the car, get behind them, pull up on them, and do the same thing to them, (laughs) can't do it. So what I do do is I pull to the side of the road like I did yesterday. Valerie was with me. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to let this guy pass me. And then I'm going to breathe again. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, you've been there. And, 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 and people are in a hurry. They want their own thing and they're self-centered and it's only my way or the highway. And if you don't do what I do, I'm in your face. And it goes to a depraved man where people don't care about people anymore. And that's why we constantly are saying Union Grove Baptist Church is the church that God's love is building. These type of things are the antithesis. They're the opposite of where we want to be as God's people. And that's why, uh, and I, gotta keep, I go here all the time, and I need to keep going here. Folks, do you know how excited it is when, when, when new folks come and we mug them? I did it to a couple of folks this morning. They came in, I got the mugs, and walked over to them and mugged them. Why do we mug people here? No. That's right. It's absolutely because we love people. Every single piece person that walks through those doors, they've been putting up with this kind of stuff. They've been watching it. They've been feeling it. They've been victims of it. And they come in, and they're looking for a place. Will you love me? Will you care about me? Will you learn my name? Will you spend some time with me? Will you eat dinner with me? Will you love me? Will you even talk to me? And folks, that's what I like watching. I'm going to warn the visitors right now. And then you folks, you better make good on this now. <laughs> If you get out of this building without somebody grabbing you and talking to you, it's very unusual. And I'd be embarrassed if it happened, and so would all the rest of our folks, because we don't want to miss you. Every single person here is important. I don't care if you've been here for uh, since the place started 140 years ago. I don't think we have anybody here that old. <laughs> but the dear folks that have put this church together, those that have stuck through thick and thin over the last year, those who have helped uh, put this church back uh, uh, to being a vital uh, life, full-of-life church. Folks, Just if you don't mind, just take a look around for a minute. God's doing something here. This summer, we'll have 60 more of those red chairs coming in. We're going to order them pretty soon because we want to be ready for Easter. Folks, God's doing something here, and you know what God's doing? He's working through His people. I have one little job that I do. I study, I preach, clean the bathroom once in a while. Not really. <laughs> but folks, it's what you're doing. You're inviting folks, you're loving folks, you're, you're, you're sharing with them. And folks, that's what church is supposed to be. You see, as soon as we walk out those doors, here's what we're gonna run up against, and it's tough and it's hard and it's discouraging and, and we 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 constantly are getting hit upside the head with with that which is evil and corrupt. Ah. We won't even do it this time. I'm just going to go to, that's why I always print my notes just in case the computer blows up, which it likes to do. All right. Second Corinthians chapter four. But even if our gospel is veiled, second Corinthians chapter four, verse three, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God small g of this age is blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Folks, the, the gospel, as hard as we want it, as much as we want people to come to us, it's veiled. The God of this world is doing everything he can. Satan is doing every single thing he can to try and thwart God's plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man, the unsaved person, the person who has rejected Christ, but the natural man, the person who has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life and forgiveness of sins, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what? They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now we're going to spend the last couple of minutes, we're going to go to Galatians, if you will. Take your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 5. We've looked at a horrible scenario. We've looked at horrible things that are predominant in our culture, in our society, in our world. Folks, the world is messed up. We have many of us have said as Christians that God has preserved America because of two things. Number one, we're friends of the Jewish people. We're friends of Israel. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, God gave the Abrahamic covenant. And in that Abrahamic covenant, God made it very clear that I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And America has been good to Israel. I'm concerned about what's going to happen now. The other reason we say that God has preserved America is because of the Christian influence in America. There's no other nation under this earth that has as many, if at least as you will, open Christian churches as America has today. We look at America as a safeguard. The safeguard is slipping off. Because the natural man, the unsaved person, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. When two administrations ago the president made a critical announcement that we are now in a post Christian era. First time I heard that, I was like, no. How many Christians do you think there are in America today? There's 350 million individuals. How many true born-again, Bible-believing Christians are there in America today? And you start doing... Some different survey groups have gone through this. Now, if you look at the survey groups, a lot of them include those that truly are not Bible-believing Christians. But I think a high number is 5% of the people in America are actually true born-again believers. That means 95% potentially are not. Does that mean we've got an edge on things? Folks, I don't, I don't risk anything on 5%. <laughs> And yet God looks at it, and we're in a bad shape. So what has God called us to do? Let's turn this around now and go to, as I said, a positive uh, look at what God can do. Galatians chapter 5. Let me make it very clear. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me share the gospel with you this morning very quickly, and then we'll go look at this passage as to what God does for his people. The majority of folks sitting in this auditorium right now have trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You may be here this morning, maybe watching on the internet, and, you, and if I ask you this one simple question, if you were to die right now, are you 100% sure if you died you'd go to heaven? And some of you are like, well that's impossible to know, or I'm not sure about that, I hope I get to heaven, but I'm not sure. Sure. Well, do you know that God provided a way for you to go to heaven? What's the gospel? Four simple little things. We talk about it virtually every Sunday here. Number one, we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous, no, not one. And the unfortunate thing is because we were born sinners, if you will, because what Adam and Eve did back in the garden, every single person inherited the sin nature. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore is by one man Adam sin entered in the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all people, all men, all women, because what? All have sinned. Can't avoid it. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And God says, unfortunately, because we're all sinners, if we got what we deserved, every single one of us will go to an awful place called hell, the lake of fire. Romans 6, 23, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But Jesus said, even though that you were yet sinners, I love you. Isn't that good? And God said, listen, I love you. I care about you. I want you to be my child. And Jesus said, I'm going to pay your sin debt for you. I'm going to take all your sin upon my back, and I'm going to go to that cross, and I'm going to have my life taken from me. I'm going to willingly give it. I'm going to have my heavenly Father turn his back. On me as I take the sin of the world as I go to that cross, and as I give my life to pay for your sin. God himself comes down in the bodily form of Jesus Christ, goes to the cross to pay for your sin. Isn't that good? He paid for it. He paid the entire debt. And Jesus said, listen, I paid the debt for you, but here's what you have to do. Listen to me now. There's one thing you have to do. There's one thing you have to do if you've not done it to get to heaven. You say, what's that, Brother Rich? What do I need to do? The Bible says... For by grace, God's free and merited gift, are you saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from hell. For by grace are you saved through faith that it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. Have you ever received the free gift of eternal life through trusting in Jesus Christ? If you've not done that, you need to do that. We're going to pray in just a few moments, but I'm going to go through this list of things that God does for his people. Most of you here have already trusted Christ. If you're walking with God, here's the thing. Let's look at it. Go go down to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, and it talks about what is the spiritual mind. It has love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God says when you're my child, all those horrible things that those sins that we looked at from Romans this morning, all those things are taken away and I give you if you'll walk with me and you'll be filled with the Spirit and you'll reject all these other things and you'll give your life to me and you'll walk with me and you'll pray and you'll uh, tell others about Christ and you'll read the scriptures, I will fill you with my Spirit, I will give you the fruit it is a singular term if you're walking with God every single single one of those items is yours. It's not a hunting peck, It's not a pick and choose. It is a single fruit. Singular. In other words, when you're right with God, when you're staying away from those things which will harm you as God's children, you will have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll close with this. Do you have those items in your heart today? Are you at peace? Ah, Pastor, I had a fight on my way to church this morning. I'm sitting here, I'm angry, I'm upset. The love is... Some of you are on top, some of you may not be. And the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, all these different things, it's like I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. I'm struggling inside. It's tough. I I come to church, I try and get a a a little bit of peace. I try to do the right things, but I go home or I go to work or I go here or I go there, and my mind is just constantly under attack. I'm constantly upset. I'm constantly agitated. I'm constantly fighting. God says, how about dropping to your face? How about dropping down? How about you go home in your private prayer closet and you fall down on your face and say, God, I'm messed up. I'm harsh, I'm mean, I'm agitated. My life isn't going in the right direction. I know I've trusted you. I know I've done that. I know I've received Christ. But I'm not in a good place. How about falling down before the Lord and letting Him break you? You're already broke. You know you're broke about just falling down and saying, Lord, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of doing it my own way. I'm tired of all the angst. I'm tired of... And God says, Let's "Just would you come to me? It's like a mom and dad. It's like a mom and dad. And, and the child, all of a sudden, God touches the, the, the young person's heart, or the teenager, or the young adult, or the wayward person, and all of a sudden they come, they walk through the door of your home and they're broken and their life's a wreck and they're in shambles and they they're not in good shape. And they're like, Mom, Dad, I messed up. I messed up. I did wrong. What do you do? Get out of my house. No. You mean it? You really mean it? I do. I'm broke. I can't do it anymore. I'm gonna end up dead. I don't have any money. I have nothing. I'm I'm totally messed up. You ready to change? I am. And they come and what does mom or dad do? You put your arm around them, you hug them like that prodigal son, you take them in, you throw a party. It's like, my son is back, my daughter is back. right. And God changes them and great things happen. Do we love the unlovely folks? We've got to. Father, I pray as we close the service now that, Lord, we've looked at so many different things. Lord, that book of Romans, it's tough, it's hard. There's so many things that are, if you will, not pleasant to review, not pleasant to look at. But the great news is that the things that we've looked at are confined to the world of those that have rejected you. So, Father, I pray that you would help each of us as your children, first of all, to love the unlovely, to look at those that are in the depths of sin that have gone down to this horrific level, those that basically you've said, ah, I don't know what to do with them anymore. Father, would you help us to love those people? And when they hit bottom, help us to help them back up. Help us to have the courage to, to tell them the gospel. Help us to have the courage to invite them to church. Help us to have the courage to love them. Father, help us to do the right thing. And those for those that are here this morning or watching that have trusted you but maybe have not been walking with you like they should, Father, would you help them as well? Would you do in our hearts, Lord, what only you can do? Would you help us to have the discipline, of, if you will, to reject those things which get our minds off kilter and to get back to the fruit of the Spirit, spend more time in the Word of God, more time in prayer, more time uh, socializing with the right folks. Father, help us to do the right thing thing finally if you're here this morning or watching if you died right now do you know if you for sure that you go to heaven you say brother rich i heard the gospel just a few minutes ago i've never done that i've never received the free gift of eternal life through trusting in jesus i thought i had to work my way to heaven i've been trying but i've been failing and i know i've been failing and i want the assurance that one day that indeed i will have eternal life with jesus if that's you this morning it's time to stop running It's time to realize that only Jesus Christ can change your life. Are you ready to give your life to Him? Are you ready to accept that free gift? If you are, tell Him right there where you are. Stop your car. Pull over to the side. Tell the Lord right there where you are, I'm trusting Christ right now. I'm receiving that free gift. Stop your vacuuming. Stop your coffee drinking. Bow your head and ask Jesus to to save you right there where you are. Are you ready to do that have you done it well let's just say a little prayer together then dear god i know that i'm a sinner and i know i don't deserve to go to heaven but right now i'm accepting the free gift of eternal life by trusting what jesus christ did in his death burial and resurrection i'm receiving that free gift this very moment thank you for saving me father bless all decisions that are being made We commit our lives to you. Help us to do the right thing at all times. And all God's people said, amen.